Hey, Connect family, PD here. Good morning. Welcome to church. I hope you guys are excited to be here. I want to say to all of you out there, a Merry Christmas. I can't even believe like we are days away from Christmas. It's incredible how fast this year is going by in the blink of an eye. Have you thought about that? Doesn't it feel faster every year? I know it does for me. Uh, but I want to welcome you uh, to Connect. I want to bring a couple quick announcements because I want to dive in today to part two of our series. But uh, quickly, I want to mention, hey, Christmas experiences for all you online people. This might be the time to come on in. Come on in. Our Christmas experiences, uh, Christmas Eve Eve, Christmas Eve are in person only. No online uh, experiences for that because we have special guests here. It's just an epic effort to try to broadcast that live. So we have services. You'll see them right on the screen there in Framingham. You got to come see our Framingham location. It's beautiful. There should be some room there. We're having two services, 4 and 6 p.m. And then we turn around, we'll have services also in Ashland, our broadcast location at 4 and 6 p.m. the next day. Don't want to miss it. Wear your Sunday best. I'm going to be I'm going to be bringing it, bringing it righteous that day. I'm wearing a suit that day, and uh, it's going to be fun. Uh, it's going to be a joyous occasion. We have special guests, Janet and Greg Long from Avalon Music. They're talking three-time Grammy-nominated, American uh, Music Award-winning, Dove Award-winning singers. These guys are incredible. They're going to just be a blessing. And then there's this guy, I don't know, he's local town, local talent. He'll be preaching that night. I've heard good things about him. He goes by PD. Anyway, it should be fun, so don't miss it. Also, I want to just circle back. Last week, we, uh, I, I made an announcement, if you didn't get it, and two weeks ago, we took our legacy offering. For those of you called Connect Home, one time a year, sometimes more than that, but typically only one time a year, we take an offering that is fully and 100% dedicated to the vision of our church, five lanes. And we raised, check this out if you didn't hear this, 242,000, actually it's more than that now, I think it's $247,000 the last time I checked it's still climbing. Now, um, no admin fees, 100% is going to those lanes. You can give, you'll see the landing page right there, you can give by going to our landing page and you can see where, where that money will go and we'll be giving you reports during the course of the year on what we did. A lot of uh, vision is already in place and moving forward in faith. So you're going to be excited to participate in that. So as you sow, I promise you, you will reap and you will be blessed. So don't miss an opportunity. Uh, there's still time to give um, in our legacy offering. Now, um, let's just kind of reel it in. You might want to get your Bibles out. You can turn to Matthew chapter 5. There's these really cool conversations that Jesus has. I love it. I, I didn't plan to say this, but he says things like, you've heard it said, but I say... And so he really confronts six different things. We're going to talk about one of them today related to the subject of forgiveness. Now, before I get into Christmas is Forgiving Part 2, um, how many of you like getting out, doing some shopping, you go into the stores either to get some presents or get a little extra food for some kind of a party you're going to, and man... When you go to these stores, things seem a little stirred up during the holidays. You know what I'm talking about? Like, things are a little bit crazy. I was at the grocery store the other day, and I was at Price Chopper in Hopkinton, and there were all these people, multiple, uh, you know, lanes going into one register. I don't know what it was. They just didn't have enough registers open. 
And so people over in this lane getting ready to go in and they thought they were next, but they didn't see there were people coming out of this aisle getting ready to go in there. And they thought, that, and boom, some conflict. And I'm, I'm already at the tip, so I'm, I'm good. I'm good to go. Like I'm, I'm one person away from getting my groceries in rolling. But these two ladies start like going at it verbally. I was like, you, I can't even believe this is happening right now. These people are so, I wanted to let the lady, one lady, she was older, I just felt like she's sweet and cute, and she's like, oh, I'm so sorry, but that, I was really next to went, you know, and I'm like, oh, you can cut in, and they, oh, no, they didn't want to hear that, they didn't want anybody cutting in, you know, and so I leave, you know, I got my groceries, I got the stuff that I needed, and, and I'm thinking as I'm going home, you know, we're supposed to be celebrating people, you know, this is Christmas, and look at how immature these people were, and how they were behaving, and how they were ready to fight, because it wasn't moving fast enough for them, and, 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 and they, got, they got things to do, and places to go, and, and I'm thinking how immature they are, as I'm hitting my horn, because somebody is going so slow, and I'm trying to get around them to get home 0.5 miles away, right? I gotta hurry up, I gotta get home, and I gotta wrap some presents. <laughs> See, the truth is we all need to learn how to do relationships a little bit better. We all need to like, you know, kind of like drop our rocks a little bit. And, and so last week we looked at, um, you know, forgiving those who have hurt us. That last week is a, is a must listen to. Next, you know, the next part of the series, not Christmas Eve services, but uh, the day after Christmas, we have an online service only. So that's the 26th. Uh, we will talk about how to forgive yourself. A lot of people don't know how to let themselves off the hook. And sometimes we exalt our opinion of forgiveness above God's word about forgiveness. And so that'll be from, it's kind of like from God to me. Uh, today we're talking about, uh, the topic is more about from you to me. And uh, people need to be uh, released. Now forgiveness, if I was to try to like summarize, and I heard one person say forgiveness is not keeping track. Uh, uh, but it's actually losing count. First uh, Corinthians tells us, uh, you know, that we're, love is where we keep no record of wrongs. I think forgiveness is like that too. But some of us struggled last week accepting the message about forgiveness because though we understood what it is, and we talked about three choices that we have to make, three pres a prescription for f kind of freeing and releasing ourselves, but we struggled because though we knew what it was, we didn't know what it wasn't. And I'm not going to do a message on this today, but let me quickly, I was helping somebody on the phone, a couple of people actually this week with this subject. Three things that forgiveness is not. This is bonus material. Forgiveness, just so you know, is not excusing the behavior of the past. It's not minimizing what's been done to you. It hurt. It was wrong. It wasn't okay. It's not... It's not uh, excusing that behavior, or I like to say minimizing that behavior. It's also not trusting someone in the present. See, forgiveness and trust are mutually exclusive. You have, according to Scripture in Colossians 3.13, Ephesians 4.32, you have an obligation as a Christian to forgive those who have hurt you. Why? Because you might need forgiveness in the future. If you're never going to sin, then don't worry about it. But since we all know that's a reality and that is, um, uh, that, is a that is a likely occurrence, we all have to forgive. So understanding what it's not, it's not trusting people in the present. It's also not a guarantee that we will reconcile with them in the future. See, you can love someone unconditionally, but your relationship needs certain conditions for it to be healthy. So you can forgive someone that's been abusive, but you don't have to necessarily live with them anymore if they don't change. And so that might be 
um, you back up and maybe not give up in your heart, but you back up and you back out a little bit so as to not uh, see that abusive relationship continue. So it's important, just understand, don't discount the prescriptions of forgiveness because you don't understand the difference between forgiveness and in particular, trust. Are you with me, everybody out there? So today we're gonna talk about a tough one. Today we're gonna talk about initiating forgiveness and going to those people we have hurt. See, Matthew 18 gives us uh, a process for reconciliation and restoration of a relationship, but it's usually with the offender to us. But Matthew 5 gives us, what if we're the offender? See, in Christianity, on either side of the relationship, the offended or the offender, we both have a responsibility to uh, initiate uh, the initiate in the relationship being uh, healed or restored. If we're a mature Christian, and we'll talk about maturity in a little bit. But the the holidays, though an exciting time for some, for others it surfaces a lot of these uh, toxic, uh, painful, regrettable. Um, residual conflicts that have existed uh, in our hearts and, and beneath the hood. Now, as a point of like illustration, let me, let me try to do with the, with the online viewers uh, a little survey, okay? I want you to uh, answer this question. How many of you have ever let someone borrow something from you? Raise your hand in the chat. If you've ever let somebody borrow something, put in what, what did you let them borrow? A wheelbarrow, you know, a, a weed whacker. For me, as a pastor, one of the things that I've let people borrow, sometimes reluctantly, but I want to be a good Christian, is my books. And I'll say, like, a lot, a lot of times now, if I have the capacity to do so, I'll buy more than one so I can give one away. Because I, I really like my own copy, and I like to, when I read it, I make comments in it and marks in it, because I'm, I'm, I'm reading it for my own enrichment. I don't want people going back and reading the notes I wrote that were personal to me, so it's just a little thing. But anyway, sometimes I let people borrow something and and... And if you've let them do that, whatever it is, a wheelbarrow, you know, um, to a book, uh, have you ever had them not bring it back, not return it? And, 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 and yes, I think you probably have. And, and so in those situations, what happens? Most of us are judging people on their actions, not their intentions, right? Now, how many of you have ever borrowed something from someone else? Fewer hands going up, I'm sure. You have, you have, you definitely have, and, and, and have not returned it. Like right now, I'm thinking, I hope he's not watching. It was great to see him last week in church, but normally he's online. But I borrowed like a case, a travel case for my golf clubs from a friend. And I just realized when I saw him, it's still in my garage, you know. And, but my intent was to bring it back right when I came back from my trip. That was my heart. But see, if he's judging me on my actions and not my... See, I had the tendency to judge myself on my intentions, but I had the, the tendency to judge others uh, by their actions. You know, and it's the same way, the same way that we are with, say, with other people's things. It's, it's far easier uh, to remember those things that, that someone else has that's ours, and it's far easier to forget the things that we have that are someone else's. And so I want to take a little bit of an inventory because I think there are things in our lives right now um, that are hindrances, that are obstacles to the relationships 
that God wants us to have with other people. God wants us to see, similarly, that uh, we need to bring to remembrance some of these things and get those things healed. Now, there are three kind of life-changing verses from Matthew chapter 5. Verses 23 through 25 will be our key text today. Are you with me, everybody, in the chat? Okay, check this out. It says, therefore, my daddy used to say, if you see it, therefore, you got to see what's there for. It says, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave. Leave your gift there in front of the altar and then first go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary. See, this is crazy. This, this whole thing, Jesus is like, hey, before you go worship me, something's going to come to you. It's, it's ironic how it does come to you before you would worship God. Maybe God prompts those things by his Holy Spirit. Maybe it's not just like uh, un, uh, 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 unpredictable. Maybe it's in a, a predictable intervention of the Holy Spirit. But either way, this scripture is telling you, do everything possible uh, and first go and be reconciled to that person. And so um, how do I set this message up? You know, when I was in elementary school, uh, right over around the corner here in Framingham, there was a, it's no longer there, it's so sad, but I went to Roosevelt Elementary School. And um, I was a bust kid, but there were the walkers. And the walkers uh, in the neighborhood, there would be these kind of elite students who were known as the junior fire marshals. And they, man, they thought they were all that in a bag of chips. You know why? Because they had this special garb, these coats they could wear and reflectors and they had a hat and they had a whistle and they could, you know, whistle people across the street and they were directing kind of traffic and telling people where to go. And if you didn't do what they said, you could get in trouble. They had a certain amount of authority. Uh, I remember that because when I would sleep over somebody's house, I didn't know all the rules. And then we'd be walking to school and I remember getting in trouble one time. And, and as, but their job was not only just to assist with, let's say, traffic flow, but to teach the student body under the direction of the local fire department, what to do in case of a fire. And so these junior fire marshals would help us in the event something like that, the building was to catch on fire or something like that. And they had these three words that I'll never forget. If, you, if you, somehow you caught on fire, you need to stop, you need to drop, and you need to roll. Come on, say that in the chat. You need to stop, you need to drop, and you need to roll. I can make a little dance out of that, but I'm not gonna do that. Stop. I'm not going to drop because it's too cumbersome, and then I could roll, and that would take too long. But anyway, you get the point. Okay, stop, drop, and roll. But today's message, so you can remember it, three points, three biblical choices. When you're initiating forgiveness from people you've hurt, you have to stop, you have to drop, and you have to give. And it comes out of these three verses. Stop, drop, and give. Are you with me? So the first thing you do is you have to stop and acknowledge those that you hurt. Now this is not an easy thing to do. This is when you're not pointing the finger at someone else. You're pointing it at yourself. It says in verse 23, if you're offering your gift at the altar, there remember that your brother has something against you. In other words, you've offended your brother, your sister, your, your, your parent, your neighbor, your coach, your friend. And it says, leave your gift in the front of the altar. In other words, you got to stop and deal with it. Don't move on. Don't continue to go through life and, and, and think like everything's going okay. You know, I keep using grocery store analogies, but if you see someone, a lot of times you do this, I think. I know, uh, unfortunately, I have done this, but you see someone in the grocery store, you're going down one aisle, and then you see them all start to come down the aisle, and then you kind of skirt to the other aisle. You intentionally what? 
you intentionally ignore them because you don't want to talk to them. You don't want to deal with whatever issues there are. Uh, uh, I used to be the person that would find people in the church, find people in the grocery store that left the church, and I'd kind of be like, "Hey, how you doing?" They, oh man, they didn't want to talk to me. And but either side, you know, maybe you're the one that's avoiding them. But have you ever thought maybe they're avoiding you too? They might be avoiding you too. And just like people you avoid in the grocery store or that avoid you in the grocery store, often it is the nature of man to avoid important issues. And so in the holidays, there'll be this tendency for you to live on the surface, just to kind of pretend. There's, we're pretending. There's a pretense about our present uh, uh, a circumstance, a present uh, situation. And so God wants us to live like real, like in the real. And oftentimes we, we, it's like there's a dead elephant in the room, but we're not talking about it. And we don't want to deal with it. And we don't want to kind of take it on because it's such a, it seems like such a big problem. And so we continue to o- overlook, avoid, uh, medicate some of those things, and we, in essence, we turn and we walk down another aisle instead of facing these things. But that's not what mature Christians do, everybody. And God has called us to a, a level of maturity as Christ followers. And so, you know, why though? Why don't we do this? Why don't we deal with these real issues? Why do we? And it's because what I said earlier. The main problem is we judge others by their actions. And we judge ourselves by our intentions. And this is so common for us to do that. And it shows up in, 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 in our histories. It shows up in our, almost like as a pattern of behavior. You know this to be true sometimes in the family. Like dads, don't take, we'll pick dads, we'll pick on dads for a second. Dads, you know that sometimes your relationships with your kids are not where they're supposed to be. Yet, statistically, it is the most probably critical relationship is, is the relationship between children or, and, and their fathers. And yeah, I think dads think that we know our intentions, you know, we know our hearts, but we don't know how to express it or we don't, or we excuse it. And so what happens is, we're judged by our actions, by our kids, and we're judging ourselves by our intentions. And then what happens? There's a breach. There's a barrier. Uh, there's a big wall that goes up. And all of a sudden, a critical relationship is broken down because of those paradigms. And sometimes we're more concerned, if we're honest, with the outward appearances than the real, like, truth of the relationship. We'll put up a facade and we'll let everybody think it's good, but it's not good. I remember my mom I used to call it like a modern miracle. She and dad would be having like a, a little fight or she'd be yelling at us uh, in the house or whatever, probably rightly so. Uh, and and rah, 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 she's just going at it. She's giving us the business. The phone would ring. Rah, 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 and she'd go, hello, Fry residence. And she'd be so happy and she'd be so pleasant. And I'd be thinking, how did she do that? Like, it's a miracle. Everything's great now, you know. But that's what we do sometimes. We pretend and there is a pretense in our present tense circumstance. We, push, we put on a feigned, fake kind of mask about the situation and we'll slip into cohabitation and, and kind of roommate living with our spouse and with our children. God wants you to kind of, you know, he wants to get a hold of you and say, stop, 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 stop. I had a fight one time, it was many years ago, probably like 15 years ago. I remember, I remember like it was yesterday, I was in the garage I don't remember all the circumstances. I do remember this. I was going to preach the next day. It was a Saturday. Stacey and I had a big fight. It was big. And I was going to preach the next day, get this, on attitude, a godly attitude. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. And I blew it. I lost it on my wife. Like I said some things that I hadn't said. And I had to, I remember just like, you got to get a hold of yourself. You have to stop what you are doing right now. I had to stop and I had to admit to Stacey I was wrong. There were some super ugly things going on inside of me that honestly wasn't about her, but I was pouring it out on her as kind of like the object of my pain. And, and the fact was I, I didn't want to make her mad or sad. I wanted to make her happy. And she broke, she was broken and she was crying because of the things I said. And, and my actions clearly were not revealing my heart, but I couldn't fix it until I stopped and acknowledged that I was causing her pain. And there are some of you that are in situations right now, and I'm just saying this, maybe under the unction of the Holy Spirit or just experience, it's so important that you stop as soon as possible. So you don't want to live, a lot of the reasons God puts these prescriptions in the Bible for us it's even more, it's not so much about reconciliation, because that's sometimes more about you than what God is up to. But it's, it's, it's even more, I think, it's so that you don't live with regret. God doesn't want you to live with regret. Because you might not get a chance sometimes to fix things. Even the air we breathe right now is a gift uh, from God. So don't play games. Don't be a child. Stop. Get a hold of yourself. And, and, and let's grow up. You know, husbands and wives, we've done this so many times. We have these crazy behaviors. Uh, when you get into a fight, it's inevitable that we go into this like cold war. And fighting's normal. In fact, if you don't fight, it's not normal. But I, I don't know. This is an unwritten rule, I think, between husbands and wives. You get in bed and you're in a fight. And what do you do? You go back to back right? Back to back. You are back to back against each other. Uh, you don't allow any touching between the two of you. If you touch, you lose points, right? I mean, and, and, and if your foot touches, woo, you know, that's not okay. I remember if my foot would touch, my wife would either make these little groaning noises like, you know, or if it was really bad, she'd, she'd just all out kick me in the middle of the night, uh, assuming that I was asleep. And, and if it was next level, um, it was a way of saying, you ain't getting nothing over here on this side of the bed anytime soon. And so, um, and then what would happen is this war would go, it'd be like a cold war. And it's, it, start, it, it would manifest in the bed like no other place. And then at some point, probably prematurely, one of us would kind of break the ice you know, and, and we still had all that selfishness not worked out. We still weren't really wanting to reconcile. We still wanted to be right. And, you know, how long are you going to go on this way? For the rest of your life? You know, and then boom, holy war begins again. You know what I'm talking about out there. I am, I am hitting nerves. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. But here's the situation. We're both losing in those situations. And so we have to follow God's prescription. And he's basically saying, stop. And you got to ask questions. One, who have I hurt? But once you figure out who you've hurt, and, and, and the Holy Spirit will help you with that if you're not aware of what that are, then there's this vulnerable, almost dangerous question, but necessary question to ask. It's so critical is, how have I hurt you? So I'm giving you some practical here. Once you stop, you've got to figure out who you've hurt, and then you've got to ask this question, how have I hurt you? And for you to get to a place where you want and are willing, you want reconciliation and you want to heal that, Here's the realization or revelation you need. That right standing is more important than being right. The right standing is more important than being... In other words, I used to say it like this. Sometimes my wife and I wouldn't even work out the rights and wrongs. But when I was 
in the right posture, I would kiss her goodnight because the Bible says don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. And I'd say, honey, I want you to know something. We'll work through this issue. And I want you to know something. I love you more than this issue. Good night. And I kiss her goodnight. And the feelings weren't all perfect between the two of us. But what did I do in that, in that moment? I elevated the prescription above my preference. I elevated the principle above my feelings. Can I have an amen out there? And something begins to happen that manifests First of all, by, by obedience and submission to God's principles that begins to manifest in the natural. I used to tell my kids when they would get in a fight, I would say, come here, both of you, come here. You two need to work this thing out. And I would, I would, I would be serious with this. I'd say, I want you, Devin, come over here. Mallory, come over here. I want you two to hug. They're like, no, I don't want to. Yeah, convulsions, demonic manifestation. I say, I want you to come together and I want you to hug. And they're like, and I put Devin, put your arm around her. You know, and he like throw it up like an octopus arm. And then Mallory, do and I, like you. Now I want you to look at each other. And I'd say, I want you to say, I forgive you. I forgive you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, say it like you mean. And we go through this. And before you know it, what would happen is with just obedience, me exercising my will over theirs and their conformity to this principle, they'd start laughing. I love you. It's okay. Oh, and they'd be hugging. Before you know it, they're falling down, hugging, and, and there was right standing. So what, what am I trying to tell you? When you do what God says, what's so big now becomes small. The issue matters less. You see clearly after you do. You see after you do. And, and it's interesting. And so is, isn't the reward of right standing with someone you love better than the benefits of being right against someone that you're separated from? I think so. So number two is, and this is the next step in initiating forgiveness, is drop everything and make it right. So let me ask you a question. Drop everything, make it right, okay? When we have a broken relationship, which many of us experience all the time, isn't it interesting that when we rehearse the facts of the story, we always are in the posture or in the story, the mature one, and they're the immature one, right? Isn't that true? Like you almost have an audience in your mind that's like, yeah, that's a good point. Good job, Derek. Way to go. Totally agree with that. She's definitely wrong. Absolutely. Stacy doesn't know what she's talking about, right? I mean, we all do that. It may not be as, as elaborate as that, but, you know, we're sort of saying what they did is terrible. And what I did, it wasn't right, but it was in response to what they did, right? In other words, we're the mature one. They're the immature one. And so here's a thought for you when we're trying to initiate forgiveness. And if we're the more mature one, then the principle that we should live by is, as Christians, I will make the first move regardless of who moved away first. I'll make the first move. I'll initiate. I'll make the first move regardless of who moved away first. Humanly speaking, it makes sense that in a broken relationship, the more mature person would take initiative in fixing the relationship, right? Humanly speaking. Spiritually, it's that way too. So what does Jesus do? He does something similar to what I did with my kids when I would make them come together. He, cre- he has this inconvenient command. 
I think it's the most inconvenient command in the Bible. Not the most extreme one, that's different. It's just inconvenient. And it underscores the previous illustration that I was getting, giving you. Now, when we look in the Bible, what happens is a lot of times we just read over it because we weren't raised in Jewish traditions and customs, so we don't even see it. So I want to unpack something for you. When Jesus is telling them something, the audience is like, you want us to do what? So look at what it says. It says, and, and there's urgency in this text. It says, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and, and we lose them, we, lose, we, don't, we don't check in on what that's go, what's going on right there. We're already lost. If I offer my gift at the altar, so what? So here's what he's talking about. And this was just, this was just what was happening. There was, um, when people would bring an offering, by the way, this wasn't a sacrificial gift. This wasn't something to pay for sins. That's not what this is talking about. This isn't, a, this isn't a sacrificial offering. This is a gift. This is a, a sign of gratitude. Maybe they had their prayers answered or something amazing happened or they were reflecting on the goodness of God. And so what they would want to do is they would want to come to Jerusalem from wherever they lived. Maybe it was in the city, in the perimeter, the, in, in, inside the city or somewhere outside of the city. And they would make a trek, a journey to the temple to bring their physical offering to the temple and present it at the altar. And this was kind of a big deal. They would have to go through traffic jams. They'd have to go through busy streets and they'd have to, you know, uh, mitigate, uh, you know, the kids getting them all packed up to go. And it's hot outside this time of year or whatever was going on. They didn't have a fast pass. <laughs> they couldn't call ahead and say, what's the weight? They had no idea what was going to happen when they get there. They probably had to take off work. I'm just trying to give you an idea. This trek was inconvenient. It was very inconvenient. It was sacrificial. It was a way of expressing to God how grateful they were, not only with the offering, but the effort that I would make to bring the offering. And so these people are good people bringing this offering in this story, and they're sort of almost looking for a little extra credit in a way, and, 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 and it's voluntary. And so it says, and when you get there, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, interesting timing always with, you know, when you would remember something. I think, again, this is God prompted. By the way, he didn't say certain things on purpose. Like he didn't say, you know, uh, you know what they remembered, like what the issue was, because the issue wasn't really the priority there. Um, but something would come into the person's mind. At that moment, yeah, you know what? There's that issue back home there. Hmm, I need to talk to that guy. Yeah, I need to talk to her. Yeah, I need to talk to my wife. Yeah, I need to handle that. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll take care of that, that unresolved issue when I get back. And Jesus goes, no, no, you won't. What? What do you mean, no, I won't? That's not how it works, okay? That's a more religious way to look at this situation. Go to God and then maybe go to people later? No, 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 no. He says this. He says, all right, when you get there, remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Here's what I want you to do. First, everybody out there say first. In other words, this is of first importance. This is a priority. This is more important than what uh, you are about to do. And so your first move, again, is to... Uh, is to do this that I'm telling you to do. And so first he says, I want you to go and be reconciled to your brother. Your brother could be, again, your real brother, could be your in-law, could be your sister, your mother, your parent, whatever. I want you to go do that first. And here's what they probably heard. Jesus is, they're, they're like, Jesus, are you saying 
that we need to put them ahead of you? We need to put people ahead of you. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. You misunderstand. This is how you put me, God. This is how you put me or how you put God first. By doing this first, you are putting me first. So I'm asking you to leave that. I'm asking you to leave that. I want you to go and I want you to, uh, uh, um, you, you, you put the invisible God first by reconciling with your visible brother first. You getting what I'm saying, everybody out there? And so if you want to be right with God, if you want to get right, you want to stay right with the people God loves, you got to do this first. Now, next level to this whole thing would be not only do that, but do it with your enemy. Okay? So he says, first go and be reconciled and then come and offer your gift to God. So I always used to think, and I've heard people say, why do we got to do that? Can't we just like forgive in our heads? Like uh, I forgive in my mind. I forgave them. I always have people say that like I forgave them. I forgave them in my heart. Um, and I would say this. I would say as a believer, sure, you can forgive them in your heart. You can forgive them, you know, in your mind. Sure, you can forgive them as a believer, but not as a follower of Jesus Christ. You know, believers didn't change the world. Followers changed the world. So if we want to heal the world in which we live, we have to forgive the people in the world we live this way. And so God is looking for people who are willing to stop. They're, they're willing to drop like whatever they're doing. Put that thing, leave, leave, leave. Like I thought he said grieve. No, he said leave it there at the altar. What if it runs away? What if I lose my place in life? Well, I want you to do this first because by putting your brother first, you're putting me first. And that's more important. So uh, powerful. And and, in in Matthew 5, 25, it says, settle matters quickly with your adversary. I love this in Proverbs 6, 2 through 5. It says, if you've been trapped by what you said, then do this to free yourself. Go humble yourself. Some of the reasons why we won't do it is because pride. We're just too proud to do it. He says, it says, plea with your neighbor. Allow no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids. Free yourself. Proverbs 6, 2 through 5. Amazing. So another incentive, and I talked about this last week. If you, if you didn't listen, you got to. But there's something on the other side of forgiveness for you. See, there's, there's, God always has, there's probably a miracle on the other side of forgiveness for you. I'll tell you one quick story, and then I'll go to my last and final point. I was teaching, no, I was administrating a school and I had this teacher, first grade teacher. She was the best. She, had, she was old enough to be my mother. In fact, her experience in the classroom at that time was a good 10 years over how old I was. I think she was something like 35 to 40 years in the classroom. And I was her boss. It was ridiculous in many respects. But I think my wet behind the ears, you know, green uh, leadership was rubbing her the wrong way. And I, I picked up on it. And, um, and she was also rubbing me the wrong way, too. She was difficult. Um, but I didn't know. Truth be told, you know, she had offended me, but I had also offended her. And I decided, you know, if I'm the mature Christian, if I'm actually the leader, if there's something broken as a mature boss, shouldn't I try to heal it or to fix it? So I went to her. I went face to face. By the way, I didn't text her. We got to go face to face with these things, everybody. And I told her. 
you know, I know there's something wrong between us. I know there's a, and, and I want to talk about those things and I'm sorry. And I, I want you to forgive me. And, and I asked the scary question, I asked the follow-up. I basically said, <laughs> dangerous. I said, how have I hurt you? I did not prepare for what was about to happen. She pulled out from her desk drawer a journal, put it up on the table, and it was thick. And she said, this is a journal that I vent about you in. And it was a journal with two years of Derek Fry offenses as her boss. <laughs> How to win friends and influence people. This was highly discouraging. I couldn't believe this was happening. And she said, but because of what you just said, because of what you just did, she just did that. She tore it up. Page by page, we ripped up those offenses, put them in the trash can, get this, and she said, can we burn it? Will I get in trouble? I said, I'm not going to say anything, and we burned them. I didn't want to see those things again. I didn't want to read them. I didn't want to know what they said. I wanted those things to go to hell. <laughs> but anyway, uh, it's so important that you that you go the extra mile on this. I'm sorry for how I've hurt you. Don't add anything. Don't make any excuses. Will you forgive me? How have I, how have I hurt you? Those are important. And what you do is you do your part and you trust God with the rest. So in the prescriptions, there's three of them. The first two we've already talked about. You gotta stop everything and acknowledge how you've hurt somebody. Then two, you gotta drop kind of everything that's getting in the way and you gotta go make it right. Like leave that thing that you wanted to do that's important to you and first go and be reconciled to your brother. And then final point, give your heart and your gifts to God. It says first go and be reconciled to your brother, then, everybody say then, then you can offer your worship to God. Now that's going to look different today than it did back then, but this is when you can go to worship. Now you can go to worship God with a clean conscience, a clear kind of, uh, a clean heart, uh, a clear picture that I've done everything I can uh, to comprehensively reconcile. You know, Romans 12, 18, it says, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with everyone. Now you can say, I did as, as much as I could. I did what you told me to do. I followed, uh, you know, kind of your playbook, God, for relationships when I've hurt somebody. Now I'm turning this over to you. Now I'm coming and I'm just going to, I'm going to go to God with my heart and I'm going to worship you and I'm going to express my gratitude that you know what you're doing in a way? It's the ultimate expression of faith. You're saying thank you to God before it even happens. I think that's a lot of what's happening in this verse. It's just coming to me right now. So before, review, before you can love God, you've got to love people. And that's how you show that you love God. But once you do that, now you can love God. And, and I want to tell you, there's a sense of urgency in this text. Because the enemy knows, uh, you know, what's his job description? To kill, to steal, and destroy. What does he want to kill, steal, and destroy the most? Relationships. Because that is the most precious resource, most valuable resource on planet Earth is people, is your relationships with people. So my friend, my, you know, get to it. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Don't let your eyelids close another night without, without going to that person, without dropping everything and making it right, without, before you go and give to God or worship God in any way. It's so important. You know, many years ago, I had offended a friend, a Jewish friend that I witnessed to. I was too strong. I came on too strong. I did it. I was just, uh, it was more about me proving that I wasn't ashamed of my faith than actually connecting with someone's heart and trying to share the gospel with them. And, uh, 
And I remember he died. Um, he got in a serious car accident. And, it, and I remember the regret. I remember the regret. One of the reasons we need to do this and do this with expedience is you don't want to live, not just without reconciliation, because you can't control that part of it because of free will agency. You can't control their response. But you want to do it so you don't have to live uh, with any regret. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, wherever you are, I just want to say this to you. Jesus did that for you. You know what? Jesus, um, he initiated getting right with you. Now, he didn't offend you. <laughs> You've offended him. You've offended him, and I've offended him by our sin, by our sinful state. But he didn't try to say, hey, you got to come up to me. No, he came down from heaven to you and I to reconcile with the world. By what? In fact, when Jesus was talking to the disciples, they were probably, and the people that were in this story, they're probably like, this is wow, this is unbelievable. He says, you have no idea. You have no idea how, how true this is and how much and to what length I'm getting ready to do this for all of humanity. Jesus made it possible for us to be reconciled to him if we'll accept what he did for us. And so, I wanna give you that opportunity. There's probably no better gift that could be offered during the Christmas holidays than for you to receive the free gift of salvation. And so, would you do me a favor? Not to be spiritual, but to be focused. Would you close your eyes and would you pray this prayer with me? If this is you and you know it is, say, Jesus, today, a little before Christmas, before your arrival that we celebrate from heaven to earth, before the mission that you would live a sinless life, before dying on the cross for all humanity, before being raised on the third day, Lord, you had me in your mind's eye. You did all this because you wanted to rescue me from myself. You wanted to be reconciled with me and so I could be reconciled with God. I receive right now, by grace through faith, the free gift of salvation. I pray in Jesus' name that you would come into my heart and you would be my Savior and you would be my Lord from this day forth. I don't want to just be a believer. I want to be a follower who lives these prescriptions so that the world can be changed. Lord, there were people who lived as followers of Jesus many years ago who turned the world upside down, not because they just believed, but because they followed what you said. Now let me pray for you. Father, for every person who prayed that prayer, seal it into the day of redemption. I pray they have a witness in their heart that Jesus Christ is now inside of them and they're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Come on, somebody. Let's give a hand clap. Let's celebrate what God has done in all those people's lives that just made that decision. I congratulate you. Listen, I can't wait to speak with you again on the follow-up on this, which will be on December 26th. Don't miss that. There's two online services. Don't miss those services. This will be the conclusion of our series so you can learn to forgive yourself. And then this three kind of full cord. This, these three postcards from God will be in full context and bless you in a big way. I love you. It's an honor to be your pastor and I'll see you again real soon.